Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are hearkening back to almost the beginning, really the beginning of the Thor franchise, which you know, is the one that I care about the most. Uh, but we're talking about Thor! We are revisiting that classic, classic Thor. All that and more right after this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name's Matthew Carroll. And I am Jeff Randall. <laughs> I'm Ashley Coffin. <laughs> Are you sure? I think so. I feel like he made you question your own identity. <laughs> I brought in the Brana. Ugh. Man, you know... <laughs> I am so glad we're covering this movie when we are. Like, we had plans to do it much sooner. We were really hoping to get through the Infinity Saga faster than we have. But, like, this is the perfect time to be covering this movie for two reasons. First of all, Loki Season 2 starts in a week. Oh, yes! yes so, like, does. getting to see the origins of Loki and, like, how they freaking kick this character off. And I have a whole lot to say about that. Uh, it's just such a masterclass in introducing a complex villain. It's so good. And the Ray Stevenson of it all. Ugh. Like, having, you know, we can't make it to a podcast these days without mentioning Ahsoka, so I'll just get it out of the way. Uh, Ray Stevenson <sighs> playing Balin Skull on Ahsoka has been so compelling and so amazing, and seeing him as Volstag here was like, oh, it just, it, every time, he, he gets so few lines, and every time he delivered them, I'm like, there's Balin under there. There he is. <laughs> that can scratch that beard off just a little bit. I can see him gray, gray, just, gray it up a little bit. Just gray that red just a touch. Very different people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But like when he delivers any of his lines, I'm like, oh, Ray. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Has has passed and it's real loss. Like, and I just hate that he can't see the love. Okay, I'm going to get emotional now. But I can't, I just can't, I, I, I so it makes me so sad that he can't like see this. Uh, it, it really like just being able to, after such a long and storied career and then like getting this amazing, like kind of the role of a lifetime and then, you know, passing before, before it's on the air. Like, it's just really sad. Sad. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But let's well, talk about Thor. <laughs> well, being reintroduced to a young Tom Hiddleston is like all I'm really going to be able to talk about. I'm going to be utterly useless. Like it was like falling in love all over again. <laughs> And I'm not saying that he's not still super hot, but he was really hot in Thor 1 and on. Like, all that pent-up angst. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. And they look like little babies. I mean, they I think do. Chris Hemsworth was 28 and Tom was 30. Wow. That's so crazy. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. I, like, the whole time I was watching, I was just like, they look, they look so young. They look like little cherubin versions mm -hmm. of themselves. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth coming out of nowhere and into my life out of, like, you know, yeah, not unlike the way he came down in the beginning of the movie. I was just like, I felt that same level, like with Henry uh, Cavill being Superman, like this dude is Thor. And then you yeah. find out he's Australian and you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> where like, did you find him? <laughs> much like Dr. Jane Foster. Where did he come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the land of hot people. <laughs> By the time we had started this podcast, we already knew like kind of what was going on in this post-credit sequence. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that in like kind of made me think a lot is like, I wasn't, I wasn't able to, we didn't have these conversations back then. So it makes me sad to think like he looks so much different and so much more like harried in the uh, post-credit sequence. And he looks so like, there's this whole like sort of greasy sort of like 
I don't know, darker aesthetic that he has in later movies. He doesn't have that in this movie. And through the entire movie, like, there's huge chunks where you're like, no, no, he's doing the right thing, right? Like, if you don't know all the steps, the, the, the writing is so impeccable with, like, Loki, for Loki specifically. Like, he does so many things that are so, like, on the line of, like, is he being a villain or is he just doing what is best in for th- what he believes is best? You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's so many places that's true, all the way up until like basically he lies to Thor's face. Like you still believe, like, and even then you're like, maybe he's doing what he thinks is right. He's just being petulant. You know, like mm-hmm. it's he's he's petulant, but he doesn't really want to hurt anybody. And then like when he you think he's gonna kill his father, then he doesn't. He's like always pulling back from the brink of pure evil. And it's so beautifully done. I just love his character so much. But he's he's sort of a ba- like you said, a baby face, but in that last scene, like I if I was watching this for the first time, I started thinking like, how would I? What would I speculate was happening? And I was like, is that a ghost or like a ghoul? It's confusing. Of Loki? Yeah, he's got like green like gunk on his head. Like he's like kind of like slicked back. He like doesn't look kind of like himself exactly. Well, he looks similar to the way he does in the beginning of Avengers, where yeah, like when he shows up, he looks gaunt and and <laughs> like. His He's eyes got a are sunken in. Degree fever. Right, right. It looks like <laughs> his eyes are dark. He's real sweaty. Like it looks like he's working through, you know, the first lines of COVID. Yeah, he was method acting. They gave him a yeah. virus before he started. Like, yeah, yeah. he had a fever the entire time. They could uh, their makeup couldn't fix it. They were just like, nah. You know what? Lean into it. He looks sick. Yeah, he does. And like, I did not remember that vast difference. And now we know it's because he's out in the outer reaches of space and he's like living a hard time trying to come up through the ranks of Thanos and like offer earth on a platter. Like this whole thing is happening in the background. And and even then, like I started thinking about how much this, that post-credit sequence connects so much because it can obviously connects like the world of shield and, uh, uh, Nick Fury, which is all from the, um, Iron Man movies with this Thor character, but then it's also connecting it to Captain America, which hasn't happened yet. Like, we don't even know what this little cube is, right? Right. Yeah. It's so clever and weird. And like, I like looking at it now, it looks totally like you could ignore how weird it is, but it's so weird how they're having character from one movie look over the shoulder of a character of another movie while they're working on a piece of technology that hasn't been introduced yet. <laughs> like, like, what? What is happening? <laughs> I remember when when this movie like first came out and I saw that and was like, oh shit, Cosmic Cube? Because like that's that was the thing that it was from comics is mm-hmm. the Cosmic Cube. And the Cosmic <laughs> Cube was never like as big as one of the Infinity Stones, or rather as powerful as one of the Infinity Stones. And like there, if I remember correctly, uh, there were multiple cosmic cubes that just kind of showed up uh, throughout the the timeline. And like, yes, they were powerful. They could do uh, reality changing things in like a small area, but like it was it was it was limited mm. in a way that didn't feel like doesn't feel like the tesseract is is limited. Yeah. Limitless power. <laughs> Unlimited power. <laughs> I still love how like 
in these earlier ones, they set up the next movies perfectly with the mm-hmm. the post credits. Like, I feel like I, we talked about it before. It kind of gets away from that. Now, I don't know. You know, now we have like three or whatever. And it's not setting stuff up anymore the mm-hmm. way that, like, there was a reason for the post credit scenes in these yeah. beginnings uh, well, times. I've been thinking a lot about that and, and how... I am not enjoying the post-credit sequences and the way they're using them and the and the way it's driving forward and how the perfect this is. And part of that is, yeah, it's sprawl. And part of it is this idea that you don't want to put a post-credit sequence on a thing that it doesn't relate to that thing. But the, they've got so many things coming out that like not everyone's going to see everything. So they don't want to put, you know, in, in the old days, like this, this post-credit sequence has Selvig in it. But like, other than that, it's not about, the Thor movies, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, like it's not related to Thor. It's right. really just uh, a continuation, but it does. It, it, it links. Why is Captain America linked to this movie? What through line is there to make them, make them part of the same universe, especially when Captain America was going to be a period piece. We were mm-hmm. like, it's mostly set in the forties. Like it's mostly set during the war. Like how is that relevant to, to Thor? And it's like, yep. Oh, it's because that, piece of technology that wasn't introduced yet is going to be the through line that connects them all, the the thread that, that connects them all. Well, on top of that connection, there's the connection of that uh, the town in Norway. Tonsberg. That, yeah, Tonsberg. They both movies begin in that town. Yeah. Which mm. is just such a cool connection. It's like Red Skull retrieving the Tesseract is what, how that movie begins, and this movie ends with that. It's just really, really... Uh, and the, well, the, this movie begins with them fighting in that same town whatever BC or whatever. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, <laughs> to see the evolution of that town in the MCU, like that's now new Asgard. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. where they have all of the Asgardians came there and, or all of the, the refugees from Asgard's destruction are there. Uh, Infinity cones is there where you can get your Thanos themed <laughs> ice cream cones. <laughs> it just uh-huh. seems so and new terrible. Asgard tours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i do want to talk about kenneth branagh and him directing this because i do every time i watch this i get brought back to why he was picked to direct it and it's because like we are watching a sweeping shakespearean hamlet style family like you know drama drama. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes and there was nobody else better to do it and if you're not like down with that i can understand like ken doesn't really love the first, or not the second one at all, but he doesn't really like the first one. And I'm like, just because you don't get it. And I know that that's so pretentious <laughs> to say, yep. but you have to understand what's going on. And I think it was the perfect way to really introduce us to these characters because I actually kind of missed when I was watching this, the more serious, you know, Thor, like without all the influences and all the jokes and this, like, cause the jokes and stuff were still there, but it wasn't too much to yeah. like where we are now. And I'm like, I love Ragnarok. That's one of my favorite ones, but you know, it was nice to go back and see the yep. you know the the Asgard you know of it all mm-hmm. I guess and you know yeah. I, I really like the sweeping landscapes that Kenneth did. I know people had problems with how Asgard looks in this and I think it's stunning it's gorgeous yeah it's it was such beautiful CG just to have all of that like the golden shining city of Asgard mm-hmm. there and that's like his thing like the sweepings even if they're not real landscapes but if you watch Death of the Nile or Murder Murder on the Orient Express like all of these huge sweeping landscapes are CGI but they look really good mm. yeah you know it's funny we, we talked a lot when we were doing i think iron man 2 about how 
the difference in using practical and the CGI effects. And when it, when they first started this movie, they're in the van and they're going over mm-hmm. that like hill and they're like crashing the van, trying to drive it over the, the little dunes or whatever. And like, there's a piece of the van that like flops because it's like not secured properly. Like it's just, it reminded me of that Iron Man two scene. We talked about how, uh, when the car is getting cut in half for, uh, Jeff, because you weren't on that one, uh, they they have all this weird stuff with the doors flapping back and forth. And it just gives you this sense that like they shot this in reality, and yeah. things are actually just sort of like haphazardly happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, Which is because you doors lose. don't stay perfectly shut when you cut a car in half. Right, and when you drive, when you when I was watching that scene, I was like, again, this is connecting me to like a thing that we don't get that much anymore. Because when they shoot an action scene now, it is mostly just like we're all CGI all the time, which yeah. which was funny because I was thinking that, and then we cut to Asgard, and I was like, here we go. This is more the MCU I re- I'm like used to now. Like, this is all, yeah. <laughs> all CGI everywhere. It's beautiful, but it is like, there's just something missing. It feels more like a cartoon or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's just less, there's just less, like, happening in the real world to it. Well, I feel like the, like, the Kenneth Branagh of it all and the CG of it all, like, with the way that Asgard looks and with how fantastical and colorful and, and like, way the hell out there fantasy Asgard <laughs> is, you kind of have to do, you, you know, you have to kind of go that, that extra mile with mm-hmm. CG. And the, with Kenneth Branagh, uh, him being the, the sweeping uh, grand visualization guy that he is, and especially with him being known for his Shakespearean stuff and directing... Uh, Shakespearean actors, like I, I feel like it fits the the theme of Thor because, like, in comics, when when Thor is speaking, when anyone from Asgard is speaking, the font changes on the speech bubble. Like, not only is their speech pattern different, but the font itself is different, mm-hmm. just to show how epic they are. Just just epic in general, they are. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. that Kenneth Branagh is the director that really captures that feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think they, I feel like they kind of lost that here lately. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's another thing. It's like all of these new actors besides, you know, like um, Anthony Hopkins, where you're getting a masterclass being in one of your biggest first movies is Kenneth Branagh as your director. Cause like he, mm-hmm. I watched some of the extras that were on um, Disney plus like, like the featurettes at the bottom yeah. and everybody was just starry eyed working with him. And then you have Natalie Portman who's worked with people before. And she was like, you know, I felt really comfortable with him. He would let us do all these different things. And he was able to bring greater performances out of, you know, Anthony Hopkins. Cause everybody really trusted what he was doing and he yeah. would kind of let them, you know, do their own sort of thing, which is, that's always, I don't know. I love it. I would be so honored. Like your very first big movie and you have this huge director, um, I don't know. I just like they got a lot of lessons in that first, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First time. You you mentioned Anthony Hopkins and like Anthony Hopkins to me like he's doing his own thing and like elevating so much of this movie. Yes. I mean the movie is about fathers and sons, fa- this father and their two sons. And like um something we always try to do on these rewatches is how do these movies hit a little differently now? And something that really hit differently was the Anthony Hopkins moment when he calls him a fool. And there there's all I've always seen this face that he makes of like, you know, like annoyance per like he's a little hurt by it. But now that I've seen Ragnarok and like, we've seen that he's sort of a, 
pretender he's rewritten his history. I see like when his face falls, like I see a real like imposter syndrome vibe. It's like his son is seeing through the veneer that he has painted so carefully his whole life. And then when his son calls him a fool, he's angry at his like young and impetuous son, but he's also like shamed because he isn't the perfect shining hero. He's always told him he was. And and he start, he's doubting. When every moment he's doubting Thor, he's doubting himself, his yeah. own ability to raise a king. You know what I mean? It's just like really complex and really wonderful. And I love, I love that part, especially uh, because like so far we've seen from Odin, like he's he's snapped at Thor and and like been really aggressive at him so far. Like whenever <laughs> whenever he shows up. On uh, on Jotunheim, he's just like shut the fuck up. Like Thor's like, yeah, father, we'll count him together. He's like, shut the fuck up, shut up, shut mm-hmm. up, shut up, Thor. And like when he screams at him, like you are a greedy, vain, cruel boy. Like he's so mad. But then when he gets called a fool, he's like, he it like it just stops everything. He looks at himself. Mm-hmm. Says, you know what? You're right. You're right. I have been a fool. To think that I could raise somebody to be better than me. Mm-hmm. Oof. Because yep. I and didn't have lessons from my dad on how to raise kids. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it comes back later at the very last scene when he says, I will never be a wiser king than you or a better father. And oh. like, he, you know, Thor means that fully, but like, Odin can't hear it. And Anthony Hopkins plays it so perfectly where he doesn't want to show that he doubts himself because he wants Thor to believe in himself. But like he, yeah, it's, it's so complex and it's, it really is like a complex thing about parenting in general is the idea of like, how much do you show your own flaws and how much do you try to train them to be better? You know, mm-hmm. how much are you real with them versus how much do you like try to portray a, no, this is how, who you're supposed to be. Like you're supposed <laughs> to be this way. Yep. It's, it's a very complicated thing Um that, yeah, I, I saw differently even now. I've only been like parenting i still have to use quotation marks it's weird um for like three months or whatever but like it's it's a weird balance to try to strike yeah something that i noticed was uh i i really picked up on the fact that i thought odin suspected loki the entire time there was Mm. just ways that he kind of would like make this kind of like face it in like loki was always in the back loving all of the stuff that was happening to thor and then you know he would be very quiet and then he'd just make a snide comment that would make thor really mad but, um, you know, just weave in and out of Thor's head. But if you, I don't know, I was just kind of paying attention to, to every time Loki talked, Odin was like, ah, you little shit. Like, I feel like he kind of maybe suspected if he didn't know that the yeah. treachery was coming from Loki. Mm. Well, I, I know, or rather, I'm pretty sure he knew that, like, anytime Loki spoke, just, like, bullshit was coming out. Yeah. And so, like, mm-hmm. whenever Loki was like, uh, father, and, like, wanted to wanted to be like, no, it wasn't, don't blame Thor, like, uh, it was, blah, 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 he was, like, mm-hmm. Odin want, didn't want to hear that shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, he did, ah, uh, Hopkins did one of the best nonverbal, like, ah! things that I, I just, I love to this day, where, like, he clenched his fist at Loki, like, I will close your mouth, 
physically if I have to. <laughs> while also going like <laughs> I I just I love that that whole action was like, oh shit, he's serious. Like this is not acting. He's actually mad at Tom Hiddleston for talking shit. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Anthony Hopkins sold me on being Odin from like the moment that he showed up on screen, just at all. And the way that he treats them, the way that he's standing so stoic when Thor's walking in with the crowd cheering around him, mm-hmm. and Odin's just standing there just like, he looks actively annoyed. He looks really annoyed at how like uh, braggadocious the son yeah. is. He just and what makes him worthy? Like, what do you guys think makes him worthy in the end? Is it is it the sacrificial nature? I agree. I agree. Th- yeah, those, it's those definitely are the two sacrificing words. himself. Yeah, those are the two words everybody. that I kept thinking is like humility and sacrificing, like and hum- the humility of sacrifice, like saying like. I, it's okay if I I die so these people can live. Yeah. I guess it just... I don't think the Thor parts of this movie are nearly as well-written as the Loki parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. this movie, but I love it mostly for the interplay between the three of them, like the, the father and his two sons. Yeah. I kind of hate the Jane stuff. I like Jane. I like Darcy. I like Selvig. And I even like most of their interactions. I think what you hate is the relationship stuff and how it went too fast. Yeah, well, the, not not just the relate. Yes, absolutely, that it went too fast. And honestly, he seemed to have. I, th- I think we've said this on the cast before. It may be even in our previous Thor discussion. <laughs> but like, I think he has more of a connection with Selvig than he does Jane in this movie. Like, there the, when they go out drinking, like there's a real camaraderie and stuff. Yeah, there is. Yeah, well, Selvig's supposed to be like. Norwegian, right? <laughs> Norwegian? Yeah. He is he is Scandinavian, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean they definitely like they they just like to me they have a closer friendship that is shown on screen than Jane and Thor do. And it's just sort of like pretty guy and a pretty girl in the movie and they just sort of have to go together. Which like Oh, you want him to kiss Selvig at the end. No, no, no. Oh, I'm not following. Would have been a different story. It would have been a different story, but I just don't see the. It just feels like they just had to shove the love story. It's the classic. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the Disney yeah, thing. Yeah. There has to be a love story. Exactly. I just think the love story is really underdeveloped, and like they spend time developing his like relationship with Selvig. They don't really spend much. The only time they spend is when they sit by the fire, and he he tells her all the science she wants to know. But to me, that felt very transactional. And at the end of that whole thing, he tells her thank you, but she didn't do anything for him. Like, there's this weird moment when, like, he brings her all this knowledge. He's like, this is the nine realms. This is how it relates to your science. And he's, like, going through the book and, like, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And, like, lays all this stuff. And then she falls asleep and he goes, thank you, Jane. And I was like, what did she? No, Selvig just saved you from the thing. <laughs> yeah. Selvig just went in and rescued you, and you promised to give her her book back. She, she drove her, him out there, right? She did drive him. <laughs> she, she was like a glorified Uber. Like that's all she did. And like he's like, "Thank you, Jane." Okay. She showed him humanity. She she let him know that the humans are worth interacting with in more than like a uh, an audience for him to cast thunder and lightning around and and worship him as a god yeah Yeah, i don't care that it was an above average you know woman that he meets why couldn't he meet like a four 
And then, <laughs> you know, of course, it's like, oh, is this represent all the women on Earth? And you got Natalie Portman. I was like, get out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> and Kat Bennings, she's hot. Like, I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, oh, I'm just saying oh. so is Selvig. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Selvig's... <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I really like, I do, I, I know I'm harping on it, and I don't mean romantically. I just think the like, relationship between them is strong. And the fact that Selvig is an older man, like, Thor's been around for hundreds of years. It just feels like this movie has always felt to me that that relationship has always felt. And I know that, like, this is the thing that the Asgardians feel, and, like, Odin says to him in, I think, uh, Thor The Dark World. But, like, uh, that he needs to be with someone of his own species, because these these humans are like mayflies or whatever. Yeah, they're yeah. fighting. Like, yeah, these humans are free. But, like, it just feels like Jane would, like, be almost like a child to him. Like, she, yeah, yeah. she's, like, 30, but he's, like, 200. It's that classic, like, oh, no, weirdness he's of, like, He's, like, a thousand? Yeah. Okay, yeah. 1,500 like, at yeah. that point. It's, wor- it's worse than vampire stories. When this is, yeah, this yeah, is worse yeah. than Buffy and Angel. I was you know just I mean? thinking it's the, it's the Edward Cullen <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, by, like, any metric, you know, the whole, like, half your age plus seven or something like that is what people say? <laughs> Like this is way out of range, buddy. Yeah. Way out of range. <laughs> Look, there's nothing you could tell me to not to, to get me to not date him. I don't care if he's two thousand, five thousand. The only thing is those goddamn eyebrows. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm like, why did we? I mean, he is still above averagely hot, but they really were trying with those eyebrows. They just yeah, they dunked were. his whole head in a My in a God. vat of bleach. Like you didn't have to do that, Kenneth. We knew he was Thor. Yeah, <laughs> we know he's supposed to be blonde. It's fine. It's like, you have some brown eyebrows. <laughs> they really did think that like comic fans get mad when you change stuff. Like we got to make him real blonde. <laughs> yeah. And you already they, have the perfect specimen. You didn't have to. And then yeah. they couldn't make him really actually blonde. Like the blonde that Thor is is fucking impossible for somebody with our hair color to achieve mm-hmm. without a shitload of time and product. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> they just better wig and don't worry about the eyebrows. Maybe worry about the beard. You know something else I was a little let down by? I hate the score. The score in this one is not great. The Dark Ooh. World has a much better score than this. And really? it doesn't even really stand out the score. Like if you were like, what's the theme for Thor? You think of the Dark World. I feel like this one did not have much of a memorable score. Hmm. I, I would disagree, but I, I've listened to the score a lot, like, while working. So, the, the Patrick Doyle of it all, like, I've got thumbs up on every track on that on that score album. So, like, I don't know that I can agree with you there. Uh, That's okay. I just thought it was very lacking compared to, like, what we just got done with Iron Man. And even, like, The oh, Dark yeah. World was very well, good. Like, I feel like the, like, trying to compare the the score for Thor and, like, the score for Iron Man, where the guy who wrote the Iron Man theme is the guy who also did Game of Thrones. Like, he is... Oh, yeah? It was Rami What's-His-Face? Yeah. It, it's, no way. It's, uh, it, I feel like they might be on different levels. And, like, the Iron Man theme, with it being, like, there's guitar in there along with the strings, like, dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun. Yeah. Like, that's so... Plus, that one, like, started the whole universe, so I feel like there's a different feeling for that theme, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really into scores, and yeah, this one for me, I was just like, I can't even. For you. I can't even remember it. Yeah, mm. Mm. it like the landscape is broad and sweeping, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, nothing's gonna hit the same way that the Avengers theme hits. 
Exactly. Alan. Mm. Our Alan Silvestri. Mr. Silvestri. Well, isn't it? Who does the Thor of the Dark World? Isn't it Brian? Brian Tyler, yeah. Yeah, I, and I really like him. Because he did the Marvel fanfare back in the day, too. The bam, 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 bam. You know, when it, the, the credits would roll in the beginning. Bam, bam, those bam, used to be my favorite. Bam, bam. Yeah, I, I like those a lot. Um, yeah, it's so funny. I'm, I'm a music guy. It's what I do for a living. And, like, I, uh, I, I don't follow scores like hardly at all like it's just not what i yeah it's, it's not how i listen to music so like it just i never i know those never stand out to me so i'm glad you guys have strong opinions about it <laughs> <laughs> oh man so much more thor to come right after this um what would you guys think about the first appearance of hawkeye who <laughs> Barton. the hawk up in his nest mm-hmm. i like that i like yeah. him I, I mean, like, I was, thought it was a good way to introduce him too. I always liked the way that you know they were able to build with with those characters. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really important. <laughs> the one thing I thought was weird was uh, Cole says somebody get up there with a gun, and, and he so he immediately runs. grabs a bow. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. He doesn't. He grabs a gun and then thinks about it and puts it down, or like puts his hand on a gun and then moves his hand to the. Yep. Uh, which I was like. You're Hawkeye. You were never going to use a gun. Like th- no. that's a one of the weird like mo- like doesn't match his character moments. <laughs> Did they say it was Hawkeye at that point, or maybe that was like really showing us with you know he like said for Barton. the fans? Okay, right, right. He, he just called Barton. him Barton, and that was it. Okay. Well, at that point, he said he only think he says somebody get up there with a gun, and yeah. that's before we even know who it is. So like, I just still thought it was like from an internal logic perspective, why would Hawkeye reach for a gun first? Like, like yeah. why would he not? Yeah, just immediately go for what he knows he's going to use. Well, yeah, he says, somebody get up high with a gun, and then uh, when he calls out to the person, he says, Barton, what do you got? Yeah. Right, right. And at that and- point, the, the fans have to know, oh, that's Clint Barton with a bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. That's obviously Hawkeye. Yeah. You know, you know what I love uh, in that scene? Uh, another, another thing that's like, now that we've seen more. And it's so funny, because we did cover this movie before, but we covered it before... Uh, Winter Soldier came out, I believe. So it had me thinking for the first time watching this movie, how many of these guys are Hydra? And I like, know God, that yes. guy with the glasses. Yeah, Sitwell is definitely yeah, I Hydra. Him jerk face. I'm like, oh look, it's jerk face being a jerk. Because <laughs> right. now you know you hate him. Well, it's so yeah. cool because like Coulson trusts it well implicitly, so he turns to him. He's like, "Get somebody, somebody from linguistics." And like, I just imagine like, okay, this is a big deal, the big Thor moment. They're learning about alien life. There's this chance to grab new power for Hydra, and you know, Sitwell called someone from Hydra in logistics. You know, a linguist. It's yep. so messed up. Yeah, my notes go, "Ew, that guy, Hydra." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Barton has it. one of my, my when he's like, uh, "Do you want me to slow him down, sir, or are we sending in more guys for him to beat up?" Yes, <laughs> and yes. I love oh, that Coulson's so like, "Wait, wait, wait! I just, I just want to see what happens." Okay. Yeah, 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 he's like, like, "I'll let you know." <laughs> Coulson kills me because like they knew who that character was this early, and they go on to have him in you know all of shield and so many his lines in this it remind me so much of a shield version when like when they're like when she says everything i know is in this lab and in this book and he just sort of nods at the guy to grab the book like it's yep. so funny the timing is so good and then uh 
Also, there's two moments. When he lets Thor get to the hammer because he wants to see it, that's very Coulson. And then even more Coulson, that's very Coulson, fanboy Coulson. But the second Coulson thing was like when he let him go knowing that he was lying yeah, because he wanted to pursue information. That is totally something he would do like – on the bus on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to like Fitzsimmons would put a tracker on somebody and be like, oh yeah, you're right. You're totally should go. And they like, they have a plan to catch them on the back end. Like they do that yep. kind of stuff all the time. I loved that. Like little S.H.I.E.L.D. connections were so cool. And I love that like when he turns to the thing and it's just like, this is obviously a fake ID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, it says here he's an MD. <laughs> yeah exactly just completely like so, pulls that so one smart. thing that's just like this is a little weird this can unravel their thread and just like throws that out there as the info to to talk well, it, about it can unravel their thread and let them think they're getting one over on me he like yeah. l- allowed selvig to outsmart him which yep. is not what actually happened i love it so much it's so colson yeah it's such a colson thing but then like in in the I want to say the classic Marvel fashion, but like it's been what two movies before this that mm-hmm. uh, that he's shown up in in any big way. Um, when Thor flies away at the end, he's just like, "Wait, we haven't debriefed you." Yeah, we have that debrief. Oh yeah, I love Damn that. It. <laughs> I love that whole scene with the whole the hammer scene when it starts raining and Loki comes in there and just wrecks Thor. Thor's just so upset, and he's like, "Nope, you killed Dad. You can't come back." And he's, like, come back. he's like, I understand. Oh, I understand why you have to do that. It's one of the most like heartbreaking moments ever when he says, like, father is dead. And he starts, you know, it, it was too much for him. You killed him, basically. Yeah. And he said, the burden. Cold blooded. The burden of the throne has falls to me. And then, like, there's this look on Thor's face. You could see the impetuous Thor is, has like been stripped away. And he's just yeah. like, he's no longer like, no, the throne is mine. He's completely humble. And he looks at his brother and just says, can I come home? Like, it's so like, because there's like a break in his voice. He just wants to come home. And it's so sad. Like, he doesn't want to be the king anymore. He has completely brought Thor low to the point mm-hmm. that he's like, it. He's not even wanting to try for the throne anymore. He just wants his brother to let him come home. And it is the saddest moment. It's so good. I like that the very next scene, though, is Loki trying to go pick up the hammer. And it's like, don't mm-hmm. even look at that hammer. That hammer hates you. Yeah. You're not picking up that hammer. You are and so like, far denied. from worthy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You are so far from worthy. You shouldn't even think about yeah. that hammer. Mia Mia hates you. I love I love that he gives it just a gentle tug. And it's just like, yeah, figured. It's like, and then, damn it. And then he glances up, just like, yeah, funny, isn't it? There's a really interesting <laughs> thing about Loki that, that that scene, and there's another thing that reveal is the fact that, like, the only time Loki, Loki is always playing, like, six dimensional chess or whatever. He always knows everything about everything that's going to happen, and he has plans upon plans upon plans, and he's always deceiving everyone. And so <laughs> when something happens that he's not ready for, it like throws him off in this way that is like the only chance that we really see the real him. You know what I mean? And right. it's that moment when he's like legitimately wanting it to be true that he could lift this hammer. He doesn't think he can, but when he goes there, he's like, I want it to be true. Like, I want to believe I'm worthy. Like, I don't believe he's worthy either, but I want to believe that I am. And yep. there's another thing that like I love about this movie is that like, 
the thing that I think spirals him outward is realizing that he's a frost giant. Like he has plans upon plans on plans, and then his plans kind of overperform. He just wanted to embarrass Thor and like ruin his big day, as he says. Yep. Yeah. Then it turns into Thor being banished, <laughs> and like, yeah. And I, I believe like, oh, that. Oh shit. <laughs> I, I didn't think I it was going to go off like that. He was the dog that caught the car. Like, he was just like, oh, yeah. crap. I thought I was just going to make him sad today <laughs> on his big day, and I have made him banished. Whoops. But I guess I'm king. Yeah, and then you pretty much give Odin a heart attack or whatever. That's supposed like, it just keeps doubling down for him. But the thing is, like, after he gets him banished in the, that whole process, he finds out he's a frost giant, and it, like takes it all from this like calculating level that he's always running at to this like purely emotional Loki acting out of emotion. And there's a moment when his when when Odin falls on the stairs, he like puts his hands over Odin like he's going to strangle him or hurt uh, him and yeah. it's like oh my gosh, what's he going to do? And then he puts his hand on his father's hand. Like it's so he doesn't know what to do. He yeah. just doesn't know what to do. He's so he angsty in that. Oh, Tell it's so me. good. <laughs> Oh, I'm just another stolen relic. I love Hiddleston's control of his voice in all of this, where like when he is getting more and more emotional and and like digging down into it and like just really getting guttural, he gets he's so like deep and grainy and and almost sinister. And then when it's just raw, it's almost like a kid screaming, Tell me! Like, yeah. That's it's, Brana. Yeah. That's the directing. <laughs> mm, yeah. That's that that's that directing though. So I don't remember from the comics or whatever. Why is it first of all, why isn't he giant if he's a frost giant? He was a tiny one. He was the runt. And then do they all turn into human people look if they're not on Frostland? Like how come he looked like a person? Do we ever and then how come he never used any of his frost giant powers after that? Like you would think Oh, cool. I'm Frost Giant. Okay. All I was unknown. just like, did I forget something? If or? I had to guess with the... Well, see, that's the thing. They, they, they show it in the screen as if, like, Odin picks him up and he just, like... He's like turns. a chameleon. He, like, turns the skin color of whoever he's touching or something. Like, it's it's very strange. But, I, I like, my first thing would be I, it would have something to do with uh, his mother's magic or something. But, like... Me- yeah, I don't know. It never yeah. explains it. And he's supposed to be Loffy's son, right? Like, actual mm-hmm. Loffy's son. They Lofty never talk son, about yeah. that. Like he's not like I'm your kid. Well, that's right? what's so crazy. No, well, they 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 don't. They don't have that conversation. But Laufey knows it, and Loki knows it. What? But they never. I guess Laufey knows it. I've always assumed does Laufey know it. it. No, I guess we don't know. But what what is cold as hell is when you're not. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. When uh when they go when he goes in to stop, you think he has hired. It's just so complex and fun because you think he's you. This whole thing is like, where is Loki's line? You know what I mean? Like, where yeah. is Loki's line? And it's like, oh, he goes to kill his father. No, he's not going to kill his father. He's going to ask someone else to kill his father. Okay, so he's 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 a coward. He's a coward. He he just won't do it himself. Yeah. No, it turns out he wanted to be a hero. Like that whole mm-hmm. thing was yeah. a trick. Okay, you tr- you tricked me. I I fully fell for it. But in that scene, he kicks Laufey off of all father and says like I, you will Your die at the hand of the son of, son of odin and yeah. then he kills his own father and he knows he's killing his own father it is so freaking cold did laffy just disappear yeah. I, i've watched it like twice and i'm like he man he just him. 
<laughs> yeah, he does. He straight up dusted him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it looked like that power was the same as what the uh, the destroyer had coming out of his face. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. That, but it came out of you know the spear. <laughs> That's the sound it made. I know. Yeah. It was a well. It was a well done uh, impersonation. I liked it. <laughs> I love the shot of Loki when he's on the throne in like full Loki attire, like the helm, everything. The first time we really see it. Yeah. My dear friends, bring your pressing matter to me. Yeah, and when he like, when he stands up and just dunk, dunk, he does that uh, that the tap of the spear. That's, that's like why the, I like his hammer falling. Sif, she's always just like, Sif hates him. And I love that she hates him. She sees right through his stuff. And that scene is so funny at the end where she stares a little longer and then he like leans in and stares her back down. I'm like, you're being a little aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks like she's about ready to just cut his ass in half right there. Yeah. (laughs) And she Mm. absolutely can. If it (laughs) weren't for him being Thor's brother. Right. Mm. And everybody being mad at her. (laughs) She would have saved a lot of grief. <laughs> right? Damn. One last thing on Loki's like state of mind that I absolutely love. The, this line when in the final battle. Um, and he's like, this is madness. And he's like, is it madness? Is it? And then he like slips to like actually asking the question. He's like, is it? <laughs> like, he's like, he doesn't know. It's so good. It's so crazy. Maybe it is, and, maybe not. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe you're right. I'm too far gone to give a shit. <laughs> That's just, the fact that he yelled at Odin until he fell asleep, there's just a lot of power in his voice. <laughs> he just imagined, Words. like, I want to start doing that. Like, whenever I'm in a fight with somebody next, like, if Ken's just yelling at me, which never happens, I'm just going to, like... <laughs> what do you do now? What are you gonna, who are you yelling at? At Sorry. work and yelled at just go. I went into the all father <laughs> sleep. sleep? <laughs> what was it go called? To, go into the Odin sleep. Is the yeah. Odin sleep. That's the defense mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> Retreating into your turtle shell, going into the Odin sleep. Same thing, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys, I think the pacing of this movie is great because it's like at the time when you start to get a little tired of where you're at, they immediately move on to something else. Like, I don't think they spend too much time in all the different places for a two hour movie. I really thought that the pacing of this is yeah, very good. It mm. didn't feel like it was a two hour movie. Like mm-hmm. I put it on in the background to, to watch while I was working today. And like, I, I, I work flew by so fast. I was like, Oh shit, it's almost time to record. Can, do I have time to watch it again? <laughs> I want to watch it one more time. It was so much fun. Not only the pacing, but like the beats, the beats in the scenes were perfect. Like, when we knew this one needed to be a little bit chipper, a little bit fun, like the diner scene, like the the seriousness uh, from Jane and from Selvig is going on. But then Darcy in the back, there's just like, oh, my God, this is going on Facebook. Smile. And he's, yeah. You know, big pancake and smile. And <laughs> Whoa, does he need CPR? Because I totally know CPR. I totally know CPR. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it gave us so many things that were like, this is perfect. All of these things together are just perfect like this is a master class in filmmaking like you said mm-hmm. yeah and the scene like my favorite scene of the whole um film is when thor gets cast out and the way that it looks when odin casts him out and it's like he's flying backwards and it looks so good and it's that initial yellow blast 
And then it jumps us right back into what was going on on the Earth storyline. And I was like, oh my God, this is done so well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they ask the question, where'd he come from? And then it's like, all right, so here's where Thor came from. Now we all know. Now we're all caught up. Well, also, I never thought about it, but it's the opening from Iron Man. It's like yeah. the exciting, fun thing is happening. We see the perspective of the, oh, of the you're van, right. and then you jump back. Thor was in the fun V. Does you know? Cap start like that, too? Where they're talking about stuff, and then we jump back? Uh, yes. Does it? How does, it, how does Cap start? Yeah, it's, it starts in the ice. Um, yeah, they, they get him out of the ice. They cut oh, the hole wow. and then find oh, yeah. him. They're, oh, my God. That's Call true. Fury. That's different. Cool. A different kind of thing, but it is true that they all start with flash, like f- a little flash forward at the beginning forward. of all three of this movie. Yeah, they start yeah. in the present and then flash cool. back. Interesting. That's cool. It's just each one flashes back. Well, Thor flash back farther because it, you know, went all the way back to like ancient, <clears throat> ancient oh, Jonesburg. Yeah. We had to but start then, at the beginning. Yeah. We, Let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> but then, um, for longer of the movie, there was a flashback in Captain America, mm-hmm. the first Avenger. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yep, yep, yep. I love the line when they're like, oh, is there a rent fair in town? Because I have been stranded at places where I was like, twice going to the fair, our cars broke down, and we had to get taken to like, a rest stop or whatever, and we're a bunch of assholes just in Ren Alf- fair outfits and nobody else's, and they're just looking at us. I've, I've experienced it, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, the closest experience to that is going, uh, taking the train to Dragon Con. Like, yeah, but at least there, everybody else was doing it too. You know, there's a well, lot of people dressed up. You yes. say that. I don't but remember. It depends on the time. I've been times where there's well, been a lot of people dressed up. The closer you get to the right stop, there are more people. But when you first get on, it's like yeah. you're, you're somewhere on, on the outskirts of Atlanta, right? And it's like, I'm just in a costume. And then you're like Hi. going on the train. <laughs> Hi, everybody. And my, uh, my first time going in like a, a really actually recognizable costume, I was in, uh, in the Midtown Atlanta area, uh, which is like, five or six stops north of the Peachtree Center where DragonCon is. And so there was literally nobody in costume on the train. And my costume was so big that I couldn't sit down on the train. I had to stand up and like surf the train and just stand there as freaking Bowser from Mario. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yes. I couldn't sit down. I had to stand in the middle of the thing. I was like, okay, okay. I think I've got the balance for this. I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> so funny. It was not as crazy as seeing a bunch of like tall people wielding actual weapons walking through New Mexico. That poor little town. That town gets so screwed. Like I was really looking at the town this time. They only have one 7-Eleven gas station in that tiny little town and <laughs> yeah, they exploded it. Yeah. They exploded everything. I was like, yeah. those people are done. I, I yep. meant to look it up. I want to know what town that is and what that little building is that they use as their lab or whatever. Puebla Antigua is a town. Well, yeah, Puebla Antigua is not a real town. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I'm just wondering, like, what is where that do they real film building? That? Like, where do they film it? Because that building is so weird and it's cool. cool. It looks like very, like, you know, mirrors, like aliens yeah, kind of oh, thing. Totally, totally. Like, what is that, Roswell? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Um, so, yeah, speaking back on uh, Odin's parenting stuff, like, whether he's 
like an imposter. And I just wrote down a couple of things. Like the fact that he like, one of the first things he does in the movie is like, only one of you can ascend to the throne. It's like setting up competition between his sons at the very so, beginning of the movie. And it's like, you already knew what you were doing. Yeah. Who no, you well, were going to pick. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jerk. Prob- probably so. And then there's also this moment where he says, a wise king doesn't seek war, but he knows his sons want to want to be a part of war because he's told them these glorious stories so he has this like smirk on his face and he like he can tell their disappointment with that like they both look disappointed when he says that so he says when they're kids you mean yeah when he's when they're okay. kids and he says but he must be ready for it and it's like this sort of like mixed message thing like he's really kind of a terrible parent in like those ways he like <laughs> he's inspiring his sons to be like constantly in competition with each other and he's not willing to sit with the fact that he's telling them an uncomfortable and like a truth that they need to know, but they don't want to hear. He like softens it with like, yeah, but you got to prepare for war. Don't worry. You might get war. Don't worry guys. Like, instead of being like, no, you need to be a peaceful King as best you can. Like he's like, yeah, it's a, but yeah, be ready for it. You'll probably have to get some war. <laughs> They're lucky they have Frigga because I feel like she's the reason that Loki doesn't always go as evil as he thinks even he's going to go. I think that there, there's something in with, you know, her mm-hmm. influence and what she did, you know, with him to make him feel not like the second son, like to make him feel like a, you know, part of the family, even though he thought he was. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I feel like his love from her is what holds him back from doing the really, really evil thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I feel like we got that confirmed from uh, the Loki series in season one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he was on the train with Sylvie and like talking about his mom, how she taught him magic. And like the way that the way that uh, Frigga is like, you know, there's a reason for everything that your father does, like just always kind of trying to, I don't want to say coddle him, but at least like understand his specific needs as a child that was raised by them. And, and like, no, he doesn't need to be treated the same way that Thor does. He has a very specific way that you handle him. And doing exactly that, being a much better parent than Odin, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was that the Selvig stuff was interesting with him, the way he seems to be looking at the like myths that he like. He's, he's looking at the myths and he's, he's reading through these books. At one point, he like goes to like a library or something. He's looking through, flipping yeah. through these books and like he's seeing them and he's just like, no, no. And it's like <laughs> you could tell he kind of grew up hearing these stories and like as a boy, he believed them or something. There's this little bit yeah. of like. Uh, play with that and it's like he wants to believe them but doesn't really like any yeah I really love it yeah he's like there's no way this can be right like yeah. it's, it's some antiquated religious bullshit like no and they still don't believe it until they actually see it happen like I love the worthy scene like when the Mjolnir comes back you know I feel like he's the real star of that scene and I love that Jane runs out there like she's known him for a long time like girl it's been two days you don't even know him um, right. <laughs> but it just makes me happy. Like, and then part of me wishes she stayed out there and was electrocuted. Like, oh shit, sorry, girl. Uh, but <laughs> it's like that was what would have happened. But oops, it took all of that. It's like you you haven't seen enough with the destroyer and the people coming. You guys still kind of didn't really think he was Thor. Yeah, it's right. like oh, now he has those magic, and they took the brown contacts out and put his blue eyes back in. Because I noticed that a lot when he's in his human form, he has darker contacts in. Yeah, hmm. when he is unworthy. When he's unworthy, he has <laughs> when, lackluster when the, eyes. <laughs> when that mortal form grows weary 
It requires sustenance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorite part with him. Any anything that is how how like how dare you touch me? Like yeah. any of those kind of things are my favorite. So the whole scene in the, in the uh, hospital in the hospital yeah. is just taking a little blood. It's my favorite how thing. Dare how dare you use all the coffee? Like if you just go through that through your day, it just replace <laughs> how dare you with other things. You're gonna really have fun. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. People's like reactions it. are like. <laughs> I love. Oh my god, I love that scene where like. In the in the hospital, he's like, "You're no match for the mighty." <coughs> yeah, it's just like, <laughs> his face slides down the glass. So good, and it's so, so, so different now. For like, and it is if you were to go watch Endgame right now. Well, I guess more even like Infinity War. It's there's there's like a completely different person. Yeah, mm. you know it's interesting. You guys brought up the way that like Ragnarok is so much different, but like. I had kind of forgotten how funny this one is and how slapsticky yeah. Thor's parts are. And it's, it's, it, it, now, now I'm, I'm recontextualizing the series in a way, like as we do when we do these rewatches. And it's sort of like, instead of saying, like, you know, this was a pretty serious series, which is kind of how I've been thinking about it. Cause I think of this first one, when I think of this first one, I think about the brother stuff and the father stuff and how the like the drama, but there's a ton of silliness in this one too. And yeah. so now when I think about the four parts of Thor, I think of it like funny and then it sort of dips down and Thor the Dark World is just like the 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 outlier really. And then it just kind of puts that goes tries to go back to where the first one was and just sort of supersedes it. Well, I don't know, I wouldn't say it overcorrects. I think that like the shift to Ragnarok is kind of a genius rebranding for Thor. Cause I think that like, there's a certain point where you've done what you can do with Thor in that sort of drama, family drama, at least. Um, although even Ragnarok is kind of a family comedy drama <laughs> with the sister, <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, I think I, I don't mind what they did in Ragnarok is what I'm saying, but like right. it is definitely going further than this one, but not as far as I have been thinking it's going. It's like, this one has a lot of silliness. Yeah, yeah, it feels more natural, the silliness, because we're laughing. It's like the fish out of water story. Exactly. And, you know, totally. I totally love that totally. they were like, just give him some jeans and wait to give him a t-shirt until he comes out of the bathroom. Like, that's behavior I can get behind. That's <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> hey, does Volstag have any magic in the comics? Or like, is there any magic related to Volstag? Uh, eventually. Oh, eventually. Interesting. I don't know if, mm. I don't know if he has magic directly no i don't think so the reason i ask is i i just like was paying more attention to like the costuming and stuff uh especially volstag because he's ray stevenson um mm -hmm. but like uh his armor has this sort of non-cocentric circles that look very similar to the doctor strange sanctum thing oh mm. Like if, cool. it, yeah, like certain patches of his armor just have these like weird. They look very similar to that design, and I was just curious if there's any kind of like possible hint to a magic connection with Volstagg, but I guess not. Just because he doesn't use magic doesn't necessarily mean that his armor isn't magic. Sure, yeah, made by you know enchanted armor smiths. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I really love Heimdall in this one. And I know like oh, yeah. Idris Alba wasn't thrilled with what was going on with the character, but I'm like, dude, you looked so cool. I love when they freeze him and you could just see he's so pissed in there. Yeah. Just trying to get out. Like, I don't know. And, and then when he's like, I can't let you out of here. So I'm going to go have a cigarette and whatever happens, yeah. happens. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he's so seriously asking, like you would defy the word, the orders of your king. 
to go and bring Thor back. And they're like, yeah, I think so. And he's like, good, cool. Good. I'm out. Yep. Bye. <laughs> not a real subtle way to sneak out of anywhere, that Bifrost. Yeah. Uh, you're not, there's not no sneaking in or out of anywhere with yeah. the Bifrost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Idris Elba is so good in so many things. And like this, um, like the only thing I would say about his performance here is that it's just underused. And so that's probably yeah. how he felt yeah. um, a little underused, but like, I it's want still great. An, <laughs> I want an art piece that I can hang. That is just the shot of uh, Heimdall's eye reflecting the, the shield little facility that was set up around Mjolnir from like when, when Thor failed to pick Ooh, up yeah. Mjolnir and it switched to Heimdall watching that reflection in his eye. So I cool. want that shot. Just like, I want the concept art of that shot. So that mm-hmm. I can yeah. Do you remember how bad. hard we went about Heimdall being one of the infinity stones? <laughs> yeah. About that bump on the middle of his armor in his chest. Well, yeah. how he can see the souls. souls. Yes. Damn it. It's perfect. <laughs> Why? H- for Thanos. Man. <laughs> I don't even remember that, so I must have really not. This must have been one of we those. We even like, had you, there Mephisto was a T-shirt about it. What? <laughs> the the didn't we have? It was the Thanos theory. It was like the eight, like every letter stood the for T-H-A-N-O-S. what we thought. The TH for the that was the oh. T was the Tesseract, and the H is the the Hamdahl was Heimdall. I thought on the shirt it was Howard for Howard. The yeah, Duck. Howard. Howard the Duck. Oh. That was our joke. But I I legit thought it was Heimdall. Interesting. I don't even. And remember they were that. orange. Man. His eyes. Yeah. yeah. His, like he's he matches the same color scheme as yeah. as the soul stone uh, he he says i can see with these eyes like what trillion however, however many trillions of souls souls specifically souls. he says souls you know what would have been a really great call out or like a like a nod to the fans if instead of putting red skull as the guardian of that place you'd it put was it was heimdall there guarding the guarding that like stone uh because like he's at that point he would have been dead and so like his soul is now residing as like guardian of the soul stone that would have yeah. been really cool oh then at least we could have been like oh the soul stone goes back to its original location when its bearer dies and they become the new guardian of it <laughs> Sure. That, that's sure. the headcanon <laughs> sure. I would have made, and I like that a lot. <laughs> Rather than just like the Tesseract, like the Tesseract rejected me and threw me here to space where I just kind of float around. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, like it would have been in just an interesting way of bringing Heimdall back in that moment, like, and him like having this weird eternal guardianship of something, because that's kind of his whole thing. Um, I just kind of dig that. Uh, anyway, okay. Well, yeah. any other thoughts on Thor? I feel like we've 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 really explored this one. I I I love it. I love this movie. I love the last little battle on the bridge because where we talk about where the changes, and I think you see how Thor changes and evolves so much, and that was the main point of this movie, and I think that they nailed it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that that scene in particular, like it, it's about you'll never see her again. <laughs> see, I hate that. I hate that so much. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've talked to this it's before. Like, Damn, Thor! Like, I'll return for you, and then Jane like eats his face off. I'm, I get yeah. it from her side, but not from his. That's the thing. I get it from her side, kind of. I kind of hate it from both sides, honestly, because like she's <laughs> so obsessed with the phenom. I get it because he's like this f-ing space god. Like, I get it. Like, you'd be Beautiful. attracted to him, and I like the fact that she they're attracted to each other. I have no problem with that. 
the problem I have is the end of the movie, and, and I did. I didn't want to reiterate this, but I'm gonna now because uh, I've talked about it before. Is jealousy. The, no, the problem I have is just like <laughs> he has been on space adventures to different worlds his whole life, and as she even asked him, "Have you done anything like this before?" He's like, "Many, many times." times. Um, he's like been through so many things. I don't think anything Jane particularly does. I think this movie is about him being humbled. It's not about him meeting Jane. So like at the end when. Loki's like, what has softened you? And it's like, what has softened him is like when he thought his father was dead and he had gone so low and he was unworthy and like all this, like, and his, his decision to sacrifice himself for other people. Like that's what's changed him, not Jane in this movie. Like that's never in, that's not in the movie. And then they, but they like put it there. He's like, what's changed? Is it that woman? And then he goes, it is as if he can tell that, like, that's and he's like, true. I'm gonna go visit her, and I'm like, Thor, don't get in the way of that. Yeah, like leave. <laughs> I mean, like, what did you say to him after he said that? Damn it, I'm feeling very into brothers right now. You know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so that but that line has always been my least favorite part of this movie is the fact that like Loki dangles Jane instead of like it's literally like he's trying to stop a genocide in that moment. It's yeah. a genocide against his enemies, but it's still like that's what he's trying to do in that moment. It's not about like Jane. Well, what's, what's cool about that is it, it kind of gives you a little bit at the end when Thor doesn't let that stop him. Yeah. He's like, there's a chance he'll never see her again, and he still smashes the bridge. So 100%. I like that. It's about sacrifice. Well, exactly. He sacrifices his chance to see her, but it's not even just that he's willing to sacrifice. It's that he's willing to sacrifice himself for his enemies and to right. keep the peace. Like that is a huge, and to and not even just to keep the peace, but to make sure that Asgard is a force for good and not yeah. a, not a warring people. Like he's really grown a huge amount since the beginning. Um, and the only thing I don't like about it is that they f- it feels like the movie itself is blaming that on Jane. And I'm like, I just don't, there's never a line in the movie that I feel like he learns anything from Jane. Um, no. no. <laughs> like it just, it, it like, he learns what coffee sense. was. No, nah, it's, it's Selvig and Darcy and Jane. It's that he found a crew on earth to, to roll with him when he's there. Yeah. The scientist three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if anybody's nobody's got anything else, let's get off this podcast. Uh thanks for joining us on another episode of the Infinity Saga Rewatch. Um we are a week away. Like this is dropping on Friday. A week from today, we will be dropping our first episode of Loki season two coverage. So please, you know, uh, hit the subscribe or whatever if you haven't yet, because it's going to be a big week for us. I'm very excited. We'll to be get live on Loki. Twitch at what ten o'clock Eastern? Hello. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> ten o'clock Eastern, nine o'clock Central. Uh, uh, live on um, live on Twitch. It it drops at uh, it, well, yeah. What is it? Eight o'clock Eastern. Nine, so yeah, we're nine gonna watch Eastern, it. I think. And as soon as it's over, we're going live on Twitch to talk about yep. it. And, and uh, yeah, really excited to be able to do that. All three of us together immediately after the show drops. It's gonna be really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. a first. We can yeah. we can all just jump on the air and be like, ah! <laughs> yeah, because I have a feeling I'm gonna be like, ah! <laughs> I'm gonna need to be like blast. So it better be to keep my energy up. So. <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad it's Loki. If it was anything else, I'd be a little worried. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I could do it with Loki. 
Yeah. Because I'm going to be excited. Get you a little nappy. Come on. Just get a little nappy. <laughs> Red for work. Time. Yeah, that's true. I was just going to drink Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull. <laughs> you ever had a Red like, Bull before? I never had a Red Bull before. I really like Red Bull. <laughs> you like Red Bull? I want a Red Do you want a Red Bull? You want a split one? You want a split two? Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Love- that was from the same movie. It's Yes Man. Yep. Red the bull, Lara. <laughs> I didn't know that. Go watch it again. All right. We're out, guys. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Bye, Frost. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. And a huge shout out to both. That's right, there's two of them now. Illuminati tier patrons, Walter Kreisky III and Lieutenant Bongo. Thank you guys. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv. 